Welcome to the Project Future podcast for people looking to launch and build their own amazing business with me, Rob Kerr. A few years ago, I asked myself, how can people considering starting a business be confident they are making the right decision and how can they improve their chances of success? The answer has become my book titled Project Future, Six Steps to Success as Your Own Boss, a Facebook group called the Project Future Club, where we support each other to launch and build our own amazing businesses. And this podcast, where every Tuesday, a business owner shares their story, including great tips about what to do and what not to do when launching or growing a business to empower you to make better decisions on your own journey. You'll find the show notes and transcripts at robker.co.uk. So in these uncertain times, if starting a business could be the right option for you and your family, read the book, join the Facebook group and enjoy the show. Now let's move on to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Project Future podcast. This episode is the first as I speak with two guests, husband and wife and business partners, Ash and Kat Springle. Ash and Kat have achieved something many of us seek, but many don't make reality. They've designed their lives via a master plan, being driven by the lifestyle that they want which is spending time together and making time for their four-year-old twins. To achieve it, they first launched a wedding photography business, thespringles.com. And when COVID hit, they mitigated the impact by moving a project off the back burner, quite literally launching the beautiful ableburners.co.uk. In this conversation, Ash and Kat explain what initiated their move away from desk jobs, the steps they took to make it reality, why they've always focused on their customers as people first, what being upfront and candid has resulted in, why being time rich is key for them, the fine line between what you want and what you need, how rituals are key to making homeworking a success, what makes some business owners succeed where others fail, why being yourself matters, how they're now prepared for seasonality within their businesses, how they've benefited from outsourcing, and finally, how you can love what you do even more. Ash and Kat's best advice is to look at what's already in your life before deciding on your business. Let's have a listen. Ash and Kat, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Uh, it's great to have you here. And I say you were recommended by Martin back in episode three. So it's been, a, it's been a long time coming, but I'm very excited to learn about your businesses and how you started and indeed how you pivoted during the pandemic in 2020. So I'd love it if you could start by telling us a little bit about how the photography business started for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, so me and Kat, we met a long time ago, probably what, eight, nine years ago? Oh, it's probably um, longer than that. But yeah. yeah, in the corporate environment, working in, a, in an in office. Kat was uh, operations director and I worked at customer service at the time, but then I moved into online marketing um, and although we both loved our jobs and we, we loved what we were doing, we had this passion to work for ourselves and design our own life. And really, photography was always a passion for both of us. And so we basically had this one holiday where we laid on sunbeds and we're like, how do we not ever work for anyone else again? And then, so then we, we basically started this wedding photography business. We went to a few workshops and we started working on uh, building that business and for us, it was always about, we knew we wanted to have kids and we wanted to design our own life and be at home with the kids a lot more, um, but also kind of just have the freedom to do what we wanted in our lives. So building the business kind of took, what was that, 2016, we uh, we shot 24 weddings and we worked both worked full-time day jobs as well, um, which was tough. But that then meant in 2017, we had enough wedding bookings to just both leave our day jobs and, uh, and work for ourselves. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And I, I love how you've trialed it effectively, how you, you you saw the potential answer, but you didn't necessarily jump from the from the day job and the stable income until you you'd proved the model and you were confident that it would work going forwards. Yeah, and I think also we we knew that we had to buy a house really if the future was gonna mean that we weren't employed. Um so we actually decided to save to buy a house at the same time as <laughs> as starting a business and leaving our jobs. Yeah. Um so it kind of was a bit of a master plan. And I remember saying at the time, if we pull this off, it will be the craziest thing anyone's ever done. And uh, <laughs> Kat, Kat also fell pregnant with our twin girls in that year in that too. That same year. <laughs> so it was it was a tough year. But I think just like the conversation we kept having is 
what conversations did we want to be having at 80 years old? Did we want to be talking about how much time we spent together? Or did we want to be talking about the all that all those days missed where we didn't see each other because we were at our separate desks in separate buildings? And for us that it was so driven by lifestyle and yeah. how we wanted to live our life. Yeah, I, I think it's amazing. And the fact that you've you've gone through that in and really thought it through in terms of what steps that you need to take and indeed how you can you can do it in a short space of time. You know, if if you've gone through you had that that one year, uh, the pregnancy of course, and you know, getting the getting the mortgage sorted. So they're, they're all kind of foundations, aren't they? They're, they're all things that are needed to be done before you can then go ahead. But yeah, I, I love the focus on the lifestyle angle and how that was so key for you to, to be able to spend time together because it's so important, you know, and clearly in the last year or so, everyone's had a lot more time together, um, yeah. you know, not necessarily doing fun stuff, just just kind of day to day things. But to be able to spend time together, and that was one of the key drivers for, for me and my wife when we both decided to start our own businesses as well. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's a, it's a wonderful thing. And you've you've created that kind of platform now. So 2017 onwards, you cut the corporate work, went full time with the, the photography business. And how did it go from there? In a, in a short answer, it went very well. Yeah, it did. <laughs> we were very lucky that we... You know, we're we're super passionate about what we do, and we care a lot about the couples we shoot for and the weddings we we shoot. So, um, from 2017 onwards, we shot about 40 to 45 weddings a year. About 10 of those would be destination weddings. So, we were really lucky to to work in places like the Caribbean, uh, New Zealand, all across Europe, like um, Santorini, France, mm-hmm. Tuscany. Wow. Or people would book us for these amazing locations. And for us, traveling has always been a real big desire of ours. We love to travel. We love to see new places. And so being able to tie that in with work has, has always been a fascination of ours. So yeah, we honestly feel really jammy and really yeah, and lucky I think, to be able to do that. I think where we had, what we had done quite well is we had injected quite a lot of our personality and uh, just like our ethos into our branding. And I think initially that was intuitive, but as we've gone forward in business, we've learned that this is actually something that works really well for us. And because we were kind of always upfront and candid about who we were as people, um, the clients that we we attracted just were a really good fit for us. Mm. So where we would hear um, other people in the industry expressing frustrations about, you know, um, disagreements with clients or um, differences in how things should be done. We actually just... Bridezillas. (laughs) We we actually just didn't experience any of that. So we just found that first year of business where we weren't now having to work a desk job and run our business it was actually almost like the pressure completely came off yeah because we were just able to enjoy it and enjoy providing the service to these people who were so like us and actually it was a the timing really worked out very well so the our twins were born in the january i carried on working my desk job until the april and then we had a destination booking in antigua so we took our twins out there with us and we, we took my parents and we had like this 10-day holiday where we shot a wedding in between in the middle of it in Antigua and it was like we'd finally achieved our dream it was just unreal yeah that's amazing isn't it and the fact that you could build all those things in and you know even factoring in a holiday within work you know yeah. what, what a great thing that is you know to be, able, <laughs> to be able to do that and yeah. to be able to set up the business in such a way that it enables that to happen so you know um, Amazing stuff. And to get that that fit with the customers, as you say, to, to be honest and to attract the right type of customer for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the holy grail, isn't it, really? You know, really? To, to to understand your customers and, and they understand you and it save any of the of those potential challenging conversations down the line. So yeah, brilliant. I think that's um also something that's helped us to navigate that business throughout the pandemic, because obviously wedding photography has been hugely impacted and Um, A lot of our colleagues in the industry are really suffering right now. One of the things that's worked really well for us is that there was an honesty um, with our clients right from when they first talked to us. And that allowed us to navigate a lot of really complicated arrangements and difficult conversations um, because it meant that the couples knew fundamentally who we were were and where we're coming from. Um, So there's an element of trust which actually helps you deal with the nits and grits of you know, finances and, and how yeah. to move people and flex around what's happening. Yep, absolutely. And that's a nice segue into the into my next question, really, because with events, weddings in particular, but so many types of events being being hit so badly during 2020, 
what did that do to your business? And indeed, you know, what do you do to, to, to try and mitigate it? Yeah, so I'll be totally honest, like it crushed us for about the first two months. Um, we spent kind of March, April and most of May wondering what the hell we were going to do. So, I mean, we, we live in Cornwall now. So I had started looking at like fruit picking jobs and delivery driving jobs because mm. we just had no idea what was going to happen. So we'd po- we kind of, in March, we postponed a lot of our weddings through to the end of 2020. Um, and as the months rolled on, more and more people were postponing. A, a couple cancelled, but most of them stayed w- within our uh, diary, but just kind of moved to later. So yeah, the first kind of two months really hit us hard, um, especially with like, you know, financial stuff and just being at home. So we, we were lucky enough to get some furlough money, but we're uh, a small limited company. Um, we're just both directors of that, which meant obviously we, we paid ourselves mostly through dividends. So we were just really not uh, not well set up for getting the maximum amount of support, basically. And I think a lot of our colleagues in the industry were in the same position. Just like the way the company set up meant that we weren't really entitled to a lot. And I think it was just that like shock of the first few months just literally watching your business that you built with your blood sweat and tears just running through your fingers and yeah I think we we were in shock yeah um and then I think yeah we just started to to think about how we were going to bring money in because I remember we had this conversation that we could get through to September so in those first three months we sort of mitigated the panic with being like well you know um, provided we're back on by September, we'll probably be okay, you know, with savings and things like that. Thinking that September would never be, we would never get that far. This would never go on that long. Yep. And then I remember, you know, when September came and went, and me and Ash were just like, wow, can you believe that we thought, yeah. you know, that we'd be back? Well, we just didn't know, did we? You know, going back a year, uh, it's it's almost, we're recording this in, in early March. Mm. And it's, you know, the, the day that schools have gone back, actually, the 8th of March. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, which is very exciting. Uh, but the, the challenges that we had in the, in the initial, in the spring of last year, we didn't know. We didn't know whether it was going to be a couple of weeks, whether it was going to be a couple of months. And there was just, there was just no kind of thought that it was going to be a long-term thing. And certainly that would be a year down the line and, you know, still, fundamentally locked down so there was yeah. there was no no kind of long-term view of it at all back then in in the way that you know we've we've kind of adapted and adjusted to it so but you you did adjust didn't you 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 kind of went through that and and you and you developed a a, a new product yeah that's right um so actually able burners is something that's it's been on the back burner um, <laughs> for a long time very good cat <laughs> uh, can explain it better with the way scent has worked uh, for us. So I think basically most people who, um, do you know what, what's really lovely about what I'm about to talk about is that because of COVID, we most people will now understand this. So when you work for yourself, you work from home, um, your space becomes multi-use in a way that it, it wouldn't have to be if you were at your desk in an office. And for us, that was something that happened when we were starting our photography business, because even before we went full time with that business, um, you know, like our dining table had become like an editing suite, you know, so um, the space <laughs> has to flex and bend around your activity. And actually, when we when we were still working our desk jobs, we had moved into one room in a house share in order to save money to complete this task of building mm. a business and buying a house. So we have kind of always used scent to help us with that transition um and we have these little rituals in our day so scenting our space is part of it it used to be with things like incense and stuff and then we would have like a um, one of those ceramic traditional oil burners stuff like that um but also things like having a time when you make coffee and do that slowly um we just found like these little rituals in the day helped to put in those missing elements that you don't have when you're not in an office you don't have that sense of, I walk in the door, I put down my coat here, um, I go and make a coffee, I chat at the water cooler with this person. And I suppose instead of those things, we started to find other rituals for our home working life. So the first Able Burner was actually, I think we had seen something that worked with a lot of water, something similar. And I had said to Ash, well, that's basically a chemistry set. So um, you bought one on eBay. I bought one on eBay. <laughs> and uh, I said to him, this is what I'm on about. And I remember filling it up, putting some essential oils in it and lighting it. And um, I said, the trouble is, it's just really ugly because 
one of our um, interests is minimal design. Our house is quite, you know, there's a lot of black metal, a lot of plywood, stuff like that. As it's just really ugly. And Ash said, well, I can think of a way that, that we could make that with like a wooden base. And I think maybe like three months later, I actually managed to get you to make it for yeah. me. That was back in 2017. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so actually this little thing that we had made, which is for all intents and purposes, exactly what we're now selling, um, albeit it looks nicer now, yeah. um, it became just a really massive staple of our day. Like we'd get up in the morning, we'd put scents in that made us feel awake while we made our coffee. We'd choose a different scent for when we were sitting down to work. And then, you know, when we finished work and we were just playing with the kids or having time together, we would use another scent. And we realised that we were like setting out these parts of our day with scent. And I think that during this time where so many people are having to work at home and, you know, they're, they're sat there on their laptop having a really important Zoom call and they've got a kid next to them who's homeschooling. And then the younger kid is playing with Duplo on the floor. I think in this season, a lot of people have joined us in this understanding of, there are ways to make your space fit, fit your pur- the purposes you have to use it for. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And, and what a wonderful thing as well. I say we've, we're, we're fortunate to, you know, have a, have a home office that kind of doubles as a, a guest bedroom with a sofa bed mm-hmm. in. And, you know, my wife has, you know, often put candles on, especially when she's had an, an important call, you know, and to, to make that sense of space or whether she's been doing a, a training program or something like that more, more than I have. And, and yeah, I, I absolutely get where you're coming from and where people have had to multitask and, and, and use that space for, for different purposes. Scent is, is a wonderful thing. And uh, I say, I, I was, I was recommended to you by Martin in episode three, as I've, I've yeah. mentioned. And uh, the first thing I did after recording with Martin was to, to go onto the Able Burners website and, you know, to do a bit of research on you basically. And, and while I was there, you know, I bought one as a Christmas present for my wife and uh, she, she, she loved it. You know, it's like, I, I love the website. I love how, how minimalist it was. So clearly in, in line with your, with your brand and, and how beautiful the product is for what's essentially a, a piece of wood, uh, some, some copper and uh, and you know a glass whatever you'd call it I don't know what you'd call it the, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah and it's it's absolutely beautiful and and as a as a gift you know I remember smiling to her because you know sometimes we have we have challenges with with presents and yeah. we were talking about Christmas presents and uh, I said don't worry yours is done and and smiled and she was like what have you got me what have you got <laughs> me and uh, <laughs> but it was so great to be able to to have something which is which is unique and I knew would kind of fit with with her kind of interests and how she does like to use scent for that space so you know a, a wonderful product that you've you've created and, you. and and kind of marketed so so how did you market it so developing it you know over the summer months I guess and and, and building towards that Christmas season you know how how did those the kind of second half of 2020 go for you so I mean the short answer is we've always relied on Facebook marketing um, so in the early days when we, it's funny because when we launched it in May, I I spent, it was like a thousand pounds I spent on like buying materials and getting some packaging and like getting all this stuff to like set up Able Burners. And I remember Kat being quite annoyed at me because I just spent quite a lot of our money when all of our <laughs> wedding work was disappearing. Yeah, we were literally in a pandemic and going like, oh, this is where our savings can get us to. And Ash just blows a grand on yeah. <laughs> materials. So I just think we thought, we, we were sort of doing it really to keep ourselves busy and keep the creative juices flowing. We had no idea what it w- would go on to do. Yeah. Um, and I think we thought we would just sell a few to friends and family. It'd be a, a few extra quid, which having listened to a few of your episodes, I think it's like a common theme for yeah. people, isn't it? It's, it's going to be beer money and, and whoops. Um, and so I think, yeah, we didn't, you, you sort of had this foresight that it would. Um, I was, yeah, I was quite confident because, I don't know, like, but basically we'd had it in our house for like the last three, three or four years. And when we, whenever we did wedding client meetings at home, people always used to comment on it and our friends always commented on it. And everyone, everyone who saw it always asked me if I could make them one. And they're like, oh, you should, you should turn that into a business. So I had this kind of like, you know, niggling in the back of my mind that we would do that one day, but we just never had the time. And we'd had the so website, my, hadn't we? Um, yeah. And the, the, we had the domain and we had obviously the name for it probably for about a year before we actually did anything with it because it was just it was on the back burner yeah exactly so then when we launched uh we just I literally just put it on Facebook friends shared it and we sold like 
20 a day for the first mm. month and we we thought we'd only sell like I don't know 20 in the first couple of months I don't know so the first year was very much like we were we were just kind of meeting the demand weren't we we were making just to order and then it got busier and busier um we've had various problems with kind of glass supply because in you know in covid a lot of manufacturing places shut down so we had been buying these glass flasks in um which were actually being manufactured in Czech Republic um and I was ordering them online and and I'd placed quite a big order um and it'd been like four weeks and they mm. didn't turn up so I phoned the company and they're like oh the the factory shut down in covid because they don't have the stuff so then we had like massive problems with that and then we had to try and find somebody to make them for us so looking looking back over 2020 it very much felt like one step forward two steps back and i think coming up to christmas coming back to your question um we got ourselves in a really good position for christmas or we thought we did and then it went bonkers and we sold out so we did a a really good black friday deal mm. and we we just did like i think we sold like 130 burners on black friday just on that one day and that really blew us away. We didn't expect to do that at all. So that that then sort of pulled our stock level back down a bit. But we had enough to get through to Christmas. But I, I remember we did sell out, but like... Was right, like, towards the end. Like a week before Christmas. I think Christmas. We, we had sort of said to ourselves in the run-up to Christmas, because we had... I mean, we have had supply interruptions on every single thing. Every component, every type of box, every, every possible supply interruption you can imagine. Yeah. We have bent and flexed around. Um, and I remember saying, you know, if we can give ourselves a problem over Christmas and sell out, that would be amazing. Uh, but then it actually happened. Yeah, and I was annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that we were super ready for Christmas. And we had all of our, um, you know, n- we knew how to meet demand by that point, which is important. Mm. But I, yeah, I think that I don't know that there was as much thought process as you would think there would be. Yeah, and we did a... Um, we did a, a, a special Christmas scent as yes, well. So we, we got did. ready for that nice and early with a, a new um, specific scent for Christmas that was really wintry um, and getting, you know, all the packaging sorted for that and stuff. So, yeah, we, we felt we were as ready as we could be. But then looking back, I think you can always you can always do. More. Oh, we've, learned, always be we've learned so much. Um, we've learned. I think from Christmas, we've really learned how to prepare for seasonality like that how far ahead you have to be to get ready for Christmas or get ready for Easter. And that's been, that was worth the hassle just to learn that lesson alone um, in terms of like how to anticipate what volume you're going to sell, when to be ready with that product, when to start talking about that product. Um, So I wouldn't change any of those challenges now because I feel like for next Christmas, we're going to be so much more ready. Yeah. No, it's amazing, isn't it? And and being in that position where you've had to really think it through and get in the position where there must have been so many unknowns going into the into the autumn season of what to expect, but you're now in a position to to, to kind of take that forwards. And of course, you have the two businesses where we're going online now. So, what what is the the plan for you and managing the two businesses side by side in in 2021 and beyond? Um, I think we had started to think about the fact that weddings, I don't know if you remember, but last year weddings came back online really briefly. I can't even remember now what month that was, but they just popped back on for like four weeks and then went off again. Yeah, kind of September time. Yeah. So we we knew that the form was that when the government turns something back on, there's very little notice. And that was like a, a warning shot across the bow that we would need to be ready for that to happen. So so where are we now? Like two weeks ago, they announced dates for yeah. reopening of everything. Um, and that week, Ash and I, well, I think you did eight hours of admin alone on, on the wedding business in yeah. one day, um, which was dealing with all the fallout from that announcement. So all of the weddings that then had to move again, all the people who were suddenly like, oh, I can actually go ahead. Yeah. Um, so we started to realize that, hey, we need to get ready for running these two businesses at the same time. Yeah. So the the obviously the first thing we began to think about is we're going to need help because at the moment Ash and I split our time to be able to do most of the tasks in the business between the two of us. Um, we have a girl who comes and does two days a week with Abel. Um, um, so we started to realise we're going to need to be able to take people on, um, and then that naturally started to get us thinking about a bigger space because at the moment Abel is completely run from well um, a workshop that Ash built in our garden and also our spare room. 
Um, so we started to look for units which will allow us to take people on to take more of the day-to-day tasks off us because, you know, I'm, I'm still packing orders, Ash is still assembling burners, um, we bottle ourselves, we answer all the email, literally everything. We even take our own product photos. Everything is done by right, the two so of us. The website build was me, all the marketing yeah. is us. It's, yeah. yeah, so we just need to make sure that we're ready for that. But also looking at the wedding photography business and seeing what parts of that um, we need to adjust. So, for example, we've realised there are a few weddings where we were booked to, to shoot together, which we will now not be able to do that. So um, to talk to the couples and work through that. Um, and use junior photographers if necessary but also to look at what elements of that business could be outsourced to make sure that we've got the space for both businesses um, in this kind of strange crossover time we're about to have. Yeah and I think ultimately the the long-term plan is that we will um, keep growing able mm-hmm. as well as we can and we will also keep doing the weddings but we will just kind of wind those down so as before where we were relying on you know 43 weddings a year um, to pay all the bills and stuff, we now don't need to rely on that. So that's kind of a good thing because, you know, that's still what we're really passionate about. We still love doing that. But I think we'll kind of wind it down to maybe 10 to 15 weddings a year each. And that should be manageable with a couple of people working for Able as well. Um, and kind of just, uh, I think the the coronavirus pandemic really showed us to never have all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Because, you know, we were both working for wedding photography for our own business. And that really just showed us that, like, when something massive changes like that, you really need to, like, if if we'd had something else set up, it wouldn't have been so scary, I guess is what I mean. Yeah. And I think also it's shown us that you can always have another idea. You you know, you, can't, you don't have to just put yourself in a box as, okay, I've started a wedding photography business. So this is what I do now. Um, you can just continue to have creative thoughts, creative ideas about what your next thing might be. And, it, it, you know, business can be seasonal and it can be intuitive and it doesn't have to be um, one thing for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, so I think we're starting to see business as projects. Yeah. A bit more. Yeah, I love it. And and clearly, you know, with the two different two very different types of business now having a service business and a product business mm-hmm. and and different peaks and and campaigns at different times of the year i expect you know there there will be flow and 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 shift of where your the majority of your focus is on one and on the other and yeah. and and as you say you know with the you've already done some amazing destination weddings and you know where you can take that forwards knowing that you're not wholly reliant on you know accepting every kind of inquiry effectively yes it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a great place to be yeah definitely and actually you know weddings are so personal if you if you were able to just choose all the ones that really fit you and your personality you would love your job even more and actually your creative work would be stronger because mm-hmm. if you're not compromising because you know you can take those weddings where the couple are a really good fit um it's a location you're really excited about and actually, you can maybe be a bit more forgiving in terms of fitting with their budget because it's something you're really excited to do. Because I think that's the thing where in wedding photography, you are a photographer, which is a form of art, but actually you're also a service provider. So that comes with a compromise because you're always working to a brief effectively. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think that the artist brain really wants to compromise as little as possible. And that's yeah. where having a good fit with the couple and the day that they're planning will work really well for your for the work you produce yeah I, I love that and I think there's a great lesson in there in terms of it not all being about finance as well you know yeah. it's, a, it's, it's not necessarily those that will give you the biggest return that are the ones that you'll enjoy doing and provide your best work so yeah no, it's it, it's really key and it comes up with a lot of artistic people that I speak with you know that there, there has to be that connection in order to be able to create the products that you're happy with and indeed that the, the the clients will at the end of the day you know kind of be delighted with so so yeah it's, it's a really key point I think that you've made there yeah I do, I do think generally just like in terms of finance I, I do think in business if you're driven by just this strange you know like I, I just want to make money um I don't know that I necessarily think that's as useful as knowing why you want the money and I think for us for me and Ash, earning money or doing well is actually um, byproduct. A, yeah, it, it allows us to live the life that we want to live, have more time with our kids, spend more time together. 
um, clock on and off when we when we want to or as the business demands rather than what a contract says. Um, so I think I think having in your head why you want the money and, and keeping a really firm grip on that, because I, I think sometimes getting carried away with um, that traditional uh, mindset of where success looks like I own a BMW. Yeah, or um, the more I earn, the more successful I am. Yeah, actually for us to be time rich is what's important. Um, and, and basically any any financial success we have, we would much rather turn that into time, you know, for our family. And, and that's amazing. Uh, it, it really is. And I, I think very much a 21st century mindset, you know, in, in terms of, mm. you know, what what is success? Uh, I think of really defining what success is and what it means to you personally, because it won't mean the same to some others. And I say it's, it's, it's a great example you make about the BMW, because Ryan Edwards, who was episode 10, who's, you know, featured in, in Project Future, you know, he he provides that exact example. You know, he, oh. he, got, he, <laughs> he, 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 he got a promotion. I got a new car. It's a Porsche, not a BMW. Um, but oh, yeah. he was, <laughs> but he was bored. He was bored of it within three days and realised that you know his values had changed and he wanted something else from life. You know, yeah. and yeah. and uh, I, I think there'll be there'll be many people out there that are kind of in the corporate job, don't necessarily want to be there anymore, but don't necessarily know what the next step is. And and I think yeah, yeah you've you've absolutely nailed it there in terms of getting the lifestyle aspirations right and then finding a way of achieving it. You know, I think that's a, that's a really wonderful thing. Yeah, I think we've always said as well, like when you're looking to take that step away from a job and transition into your own business, that line between what you need for your life and what you want for your life can be so defining as to whether you actually step out of your job or not. Because yeah. if we had gone after what we wanted at that point, um, it would have been a very different story um, because, you know, uh, at that point, I was driving a BMW. I did have a Mulberry handbag, and I had five hundred <laughs> pair of shoes on my feet. And I, you know, that. I and mean, I'm just talking personally. Ash obviously gave up his own things as well. But when we were going through this, like, okay, this is a chess game we're playing here. The first step was to reduce our personal outgoings. Um, and I think sometimes people don't realise how much their personal life will impact on what what's possible for them in their business. Yeah. And actually, if you can just stick a pin in, you know, I need a five hundred pound handbag. Um, that can come later and maybe it will, but actually you don't need that to live. Um, and I think in the beginning and even able with able, it was a risk, you know, to not go out and get jobs and to decide to just invest a grand that we just basically didn't have into something that might do nothing. It all involves being prepared to risk, to risk what you have yeah. um, and be prepared to have less. Um, and I think if, I think that link between, what you take as a as an individual and how well your business can succeed is so often ignored, um, and for us, we just always want to try and keep putting that back at the forefront of our mind. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. It it really is, and and a great case study and example for 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 people out there. But you've you've been flexible. You know, you've you've clearly been been very flexible and and have have kind of adapted. I know you said it took a couple of months in in uh, the spring last year to to kind of work out what the next step was and what the solution was, but you found it, you know, so uh, yeah. is that some, is that something that you've always, you've always had, or, you know, was it just a case of we're in the situation we need to adjust? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, we, we have always said that the people in business who are, they're able to flex and adapt and change, they will be the ones that are successful Right. So like, you know, even our, our working lifestyle over the last year, and I'm sure this is the same for a lot of people in this global pandemic, but we have, so we've had our twin four-year-olds at home. So that's basically meant that Kat will get up early. She'll do like a four or five hour shift in the workshop whilst I look after the twins. And then we kind of have lunch together and then I will do the afternoon shift and then we'll come in and have din dinner together. And then if there's still work to do, I'll go and do an evening shift in the workshop or Kat will do an evening pack. Um, I mean, there's been times in this year where, you know, like our Black Friday thing went so crazy that we then spent like the next four days just packing. So I, I can literally remember like staying up to one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, just packing like 70 orders in one hit to make sure they all go out. Because it's really hard, like when you, when you sell a product and you're doing it from your home and you ship it out to somebody who's bought it online and you never face-to-face -face with that person, it's really hard to remember that that's a human being who's excited about that product, they're excited to get it, and that like unboxing experience and all of that stuff is like you're completely disconnected from it. 
um, even in those moments where you're so busy, you're literally run off your feet, the importance of delivering on what you have said you will do. Yeah, for um, sure. Because they're not connected to the fact that you're working till two, three in the morning. <laughs> they yeah. just bought something and they're excited to get it. Um, and I think when you're in a small business, actually, I, I think a lot of it is just finding a way. I was listening to one of your um, previous episodes in the chat cells. That was Martin. Was that Martin? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I went to school with Martin. You went to school with Martin. Yeah. Um, and he was saying about, um, he, he was having to, to drop his parcels off first thing in the morning. Seven till nine. Yeah. And so he was having to actually work in the night. And I think this is the kind of flexibility that Ash and I really resonate with is seeing that, seeing the problem, realizing that the solution is that you work in the night now and just being like, cool, I guess I work at night now. Yeah. You know, and I think... I think so many times people limit themselves by what should be happening. What they think is acceptable. Yeah, but actually yeah. I think um, when you're in your own business, it's kind of a bit of a free-for-all. And, um, you know, if what you need to do is get up at three in the morning and pack boxes, that's what you need to do. But importantly, it's always just a season. And we've really yeah. noticed that in both our businesses, you'll go through these times where you're doing this stuff that feels really uncomfortable well, it's, it's really hard on you physically, you know, to be getting three and four hours sleep a night and trying to pair and, and you know, trying to do this huge amount of work that actually involves you using your body as well. But, but, it, but it does come to an end. And that yeah. the, the quickest way to get out of those seasons is to do the work and push through it. And actually, like, uh, our thing has always been like, we never, ever want to let somebody down. So I actually, I can remember this one time where we, we had a, a wedding in France uh, to photograph but we actually had a UK booking the day before. So basically the way we made it work was we shot this wedding in England and then uh, we had my bro- I paid my younger brother to come and pick us up. And then he, so he picked us up around 10 p.m. He drove us into France. So we went across the, the tunnel and then he drove us down through France like six hours overnight. So we, we tried to sleep in the back of his car, uh, but it was tough. Um, and then we rocked up at the Airbnb at like, six o'clock in the morning we got a couple of hours sleep and then he took us to the wedding and we photographed a wedding in france the next day. that's amazing and that was we kind of you know you have these small really difficult patches but as long as you can see the end in sight it's often easier to like have the goal of getting through and be like neither of those cut wedding couples got let down or none of the people who bought on the black friday deal had a late delivery like they they got everything they were promised and more and i think that's just so important to keep that at the front of your mind is to like you're always more capable than you think you are and there yeah. is always like a little bit of extra gas in the tank there's a I really can't remember who who said this but we always say things being too hard in quotation marks robs you of what's actually possible yeah if you yep. allow yourself to think oh, I can't do it that way because that'd be too hard that's normally what puts a stopper on actually you pushing to the next level and doing something really incredible yeah, yeah. I- I love it. And I think the connection that you've, you know, you, the way you've both spoken here, the, the connection that you have with your customers in, in two very different businesses is is remarkable. And and you absolutely get it. You know, the, the whole unboxing, uh, as you spoke about there, you know, it's it's key. And I, I loved it when my box arrived. You know, I was really excited, you know, and and uh, yeah, it, it's it's a thing, you know, and uh, to, to be aware of that and to and to not let people down is, you know, is great. But at the same time, I remember in January, I was hoping to speak with you in January and I, I got the out of office through saying, you know, we haven't had a day off since, you know, we launched the business. We're taking some time out to spend with our family. Yeah. That's great. You know, and that's the other. Firstly, it's a personal story, which I could relate to. Um, yeah. But equally, that's coming out the other side, isn't it? You've, you've had exactly. that that hard season um, ahead of ahead of Christmas, that big delivery, big push. And then it's time to take some time out and, and rebalance and, and, uh, and recharge effectively. Yeah. And, I and think... it's so important to do that. Like yeah. for, you know, I, th- I feel like this uh, over this pandemic, mental health has been such, such a hot topic. And I'm so glad it is because, you know, like we, saying you can push yourself and do more, that's all well and good as long as you remember to put that, that break in there as well. And like you say, we took, we took two weeks at Christmas. We, we kind of shipped everything out. I think our last post date was like the 20th or something. Yeah. And then we were like, after that, it will be there in January. And we just, 
the thing is, it's your business and you can decide when things will happen. As long as you're transparent with that, as long as you fully communicate that properly and, and people are aware, then there won't be issues. So, you know, we made sure it was all over our social media. It was on our website. There was a banner saying, like, we're now out of office till January. We have, you know, like you said, that, you know, the out of office on email. Just making yep. sure you communicate that is, is key, but you don't need to worry about it. And I think also, like, if you have that open dialogue with your customers where they, they don't lose sight of the fact that you are actually people, it does allow you to be more flexible. You know, I, I think I said earlier, we've had every single supply chain interruption you can think of on every single part of what we do. Box problems, glass problems, lid problems, literally everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and our ability to bend around that has been largely being able to say to the customer, it's not actually going to look like this. It's going to look like this instead because we can't get that type of box at the moment, you know, and, and just being honest about what we can and can't do. Um, and if something's not possible, just being like, okay, well, you know, we're not superheroes, we're just people. Yeah. And that's not actually doable. I think that's the, the thing sometimes you can lose sight of in your own business is I am the off switch and I've got to make sure that I press it. Yeah. I press it occasionally. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's brilliant and and such good advice and useful useful tips. It, it's amazing, isn't it? How in a supply chain of relatively simple components, it can all go wrong, <laughs> and you know it, it it still staggers me how things in a supply chain can be impacted in quite the way that they they can. And uh, but but yeah, it's it's another thing to navigate and to find a solution. And you know, I, I, but I I love how you've you've really got that that kind of personal relationship and how that 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 kind of shines all the way through in what could be you know a fairly anonymous type business, very different to the photography, but but bringing in that personality, it makes people want to work with you. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story uh, today. It's been it's been fabulous hearing from you and how you've pivoted and and adapted and and now going forwards of of you know got the foundations for two really fantastic businesses. So thank you so. Much well before we finish uh, there's four questions that i ask every guest uh so uh, i'd love to know uh what the best piece of advice is that you give for somebody thinking about starting their own business today um i i think we always say between ourselves that always be looking at what you have in your own experience in your own life um and the way we catch that between ourselves is what have you got in your hand um because Everybody has something unique about them, their life, their experience that they can draw from. And I think especially for people who know that they want to work for themselves, they want to start a business, but they don't know what to do. Yeah. It's in your it's probably in your house or it's it's in your life in some way already. Yeah, or just, even in your hobbies. Like, yeah, you just yeah. haven't realized what it is yet. And I think in the early days of um, our photography business, one of the things we did was like, um, mind mapping who we were as people to try and find our brand identity and I think that's something that people can really easily apply like just put their name in the middle of a bit of paper and write down all the stuff they love to do yeah. and I bet you there's some really key stuff for their business or yeah. an idea for a business in just that there was a uh, so we did a workshop with a guy who became a friend a really great photographer called Ed Pears um, and he said to us you have got the monopoly on you nobody else can be you and we that's always stuck with us. Like, mm. if you can be as personal as possible, nobody can do that because there's only one Rob Kerr. There's only one Ash and Cat, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And and the, the way that the world's going and, and has already gone in many respects, being personal and driving, you know, doing something that works for you, there will be people out there that want that, you know? And I think it's, if you can be clear in terms of what it is that you want to deliver and get that information in front of the right audience then you'll do well uh, i think so it's, it's it's a really great piece of advice so what do you know now that you wish you knew before you started your business and you could take something from either business or a combination of the two <laughs> okay yeah i think probably um from able i've really learned that outsourcing can be your best friend yeah <laughs> so i always kind of you know, I've always, so our relationship is that I'm very reluctant to change and Kat is definitely the driving force for change and like improving. So I can remember one particular uh, week uh, last year when I was, so all the, the bases for our burners, I was getting them in like eight by four foot sheets and I was cutting the wood myself and that, and I could only do like a hundred to 150 a week. And it was all I was capable of doing. It just took so much time. 
And she was like, there must be somebody who will do this for you. Like, why are you spending so much time doing this? And, uh, you know, we've always wanted it to be handmade. So we can actually found somebody who is in the next town over who owns a, a woodwork shop um, called Richard. And so Richard now does all our bases for us. And the quantities he can deal with are much bigger than what I can deal with because he has a whole workshop with table saws and it's still all hand cut, but it's just on much larger machines. So I, I was always very reluctant to outsourcing. And I wish at the start that somebody had just said to me, don't be scared of outsourcing. You will build a relationship with the person who's outsourcing and it is not going to devalue your brand. If anything, all it's going to do is add value and, and mean you can deal with bigger quantities. And even the finish of the bases is is more is a higher quality finish than I can achieve because he's an expert in that field and I'm not necessarily. And he's become like an extension of our, you know, He's, he's like part of the family now, yeah. you know, he, and he has his own ideas about, oh, have you guys thought about doing this? And yeah, I'm actually, I'm glad we didn't do it sooner because it made us learn, learn what we were doing yeah. and we really understand it. And so you can have those conversations with him that are, you know, technical conversations about the machines or how the process yeah. works. Um, but that we did it soon enough that we could actually respond to the volume and the demand that we have. Um, and I think, we're now going to be taking that forward in our photography business because we have never outsourced anything for that because we always felt like if we did that, it would take something away from it being off our product. But actually, I think we've really learned that a really great outsourcing relationship is only a strength. Yeah, and as long as you quality control it yourself, it mm. can't go wrong, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And it, of course, enables you to scale as well in a way that you you couldn't do otherwise. And, you know, you, you touched on it in terms of the photography business, using junior ones and, you know, to, to kind of support and get different angles and things like that. But you're you're still there to oversee it, you know, to direct, to kind of be a be a director, as it says on Company's House, you know, and yeah. and yeah. I, I think that's such a key thing that you can you can still have control and get things done to your spec. Um, but then equally to, to get feedback from experts that can make things better is, uh, is, is a wonderful thing from outsourcing. I know from some of the things that I've outsourced, you know, I've, I'll have an idea and someone will come back with a better one and it's like, yeah. okay, uh, that's, that's good. Yeah. Like that. So, so yeah, it's, it's brilliant. And the timing side of things as well, you know, because you wouldn't outsource everything in one go, but no. just those little steps as, and, as, and when it's appropriate, as, and when it's, it's mature enough as a process and, and you understand exactly what's needed and there's somebody there that can do it. Yeah. I, I think that's a, it's, it's a, it's a fabulous example. Like to use subject matter experts as well, because I think like actually one of the things we've never done ourselves is our own accounts. Um, our brains just don't work like that. And so we, um, we in our photography business, we started working with a really great accountant really early on, like probably before we needed to really. Mm. Um, but because numbers, for me personally, that makes my head explode and it makes being in business really unpleasant for me if I have to deal with that. Um, so I think sometimes you can use outsourcing creatively to make sure that your brain is as free as it can be to do the stuff that you do well. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And, and, and we are all different at the end of the day, aren't we? Yeah. And, and it's, it's realizing those strengths and being able to pick those, pick the right ones. And yeah, I, I wish it was something I knew in school, you know, was that you don't need to be great at everything in, yeah. in order to be, uh, to be successful. Because uh, I think that's, there are, there's always somebody there to do those other elements perhaps better than, than you can. So no, really, really great advice there. So is there a resource, so uh, a blog, a website, a podcast, a book, anything that you think would really help people at the very start of their journey? I am a massive fan of an audiobook. Yeah. So um, Simon Sinek, is a he's a really awesome marketing guy. Um, so he wrote a book called Start With Why, um, yeah. and I would highly recommend listening to or reading that Simon Sinek book. Um, he talks about uh, the Apple approach to marketing, which is people buy why you do something. They don't buy what you do. And that's always been our angle on uh, on the photography business and also on Able Burners. It's like we were talking earlier about defining our scent, like why we do what we do will resonate with people way more than what you do. So yeah, Simon Sinek, start with why. Big fan of that. Simon Sinek's brilliant. And he's, he's got a TED talk on that subject as well, which is, oh, yeah. which is relatively short. Um, and very repetitive, but you don't forget yeah. it once you've watched it. Uh, <laughs> which yeah, is, you know, right. he, he gets that message um, in, into your in, into your brain and, and keeps it there. So, yeah, another excellent one there. So, um, 
finally, is there a guest uh, that you'd like to recommend for a future episode of the show? Yes, there is. Um, we uh, have come to know as a friend a chap called John Hersey, and he is a photographer. He's based in Newquay. And the reason that we really think you should speak to him is because we have, I mean, John is employed full time as a photographer, commercial a commercial photographer. photographer. And at the beginning of um, the pandemic, just had job after job after job cancel um, because his work involves going to, you know, an environment where there's multiple people um, and there's multiple disciplines. So you might have florists there, clothing stylists, makeup hair, and obviously all of that just ground to a halt. But we watched John as he, um, in balletic form almost, um, <laughs> pivoted around the, the obstacles to continue to work throughout that season. And actually, he's really, you know, he was getting products delivered to his um, home. So, um, yeah, he set up like a, a little home studio. So he started working from home, which, you know, that's challenging, man, like to be able to just change. Um, and he's done an incredible job, hasn't he? Yeah, and actually we've even made use of him through Able where um, we've come up against stuff we can't actually do here um, and he's he's produced some great uh, imagery for us and we really feel like he's somebody who's managed to turn something that should have been a really career-limiting, stagnating period for him into something that's actually pushed his business forward even more um, and I feel like he's actually coming out of it having grown. And yeah, stronger, stronger a strong, portfolio, yeah. stronger... Well, I mean, his work ethic has always been great. But... And he's just one of, he's just a really great networker as well. Yeah. Does everything on relationship. And um, yeah, we just really rate and value the way that he approaches his business. Amazing. Uh, thank you. I look forward to speaking with John. If I can have an introduction, I'd, I'd love to uh, be able yeah. to share his story um, on the show as well. So no, brilliant. Thank yeah. you. Cool. And and finally, finally then, if people want to get in touch with, with you, um, or to find out about your businesses, how are they best go about doing that? Um, so probably the website. So um, ableburners.co.uk is A-B-E-L burners. Um, or the wedding photography is thespringles.com. And we're also on you know, social media, Instagram, all yeah. of that. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, uh, both of you. It's been enlightening and invigorating speaking with you both today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. My book, Project Future, hadn't been published when Ash and Kat undertook everything we discussed during this conversation. But if I could point to one single case study of what it takes to create a lifestyle, including a working life that you love, I can think of no better example than this. So many of the principles I lay out they've achieved, and I'm sure there's many others they could have covered if we continued the conversation. Much like the book, this is a conversation to revisit again and again. If you haven't read it, buy it today from Amazon or your preferred retailer, and think back to this conversation as you read. And even better, do so while taking in the scent from your own beautiful Abel Burner, as I am while recording this. On next week's episode, I speak with the credibility expert, Krista Powell-Edwards. So subscribe now to get notified of this on Tuesday morning. Thank you for listening. Until next time, keep launching and building those amazing businesses that give you satisfaction and balance. <laughs>